Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy la duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California. Where, um, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, this is like a quick quiz. I was doing this with a buddy of mine. I'm going to get to the NFL, Baker Mayfield, the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, and Kirk Cousins, and why he's actually properly compensated. I have to reset that. Um... Why no Duke nor Gonzaga will beat the Cavaliers. Got a lot to get to, but uh, this is kind of interesting, right? Among the things that people don't seem to know, they just don't know in, uh, in sports, like a lot of people until the Astros reach the playoffs, maybe until they reach the World Series, most people would not known or kept up with, like, wait, the Astros in the American League? Hell, there are people that don't know, didn't know until this year that the Brewers were in the National League. 
Did you know they play three-on-three hockey in overtime? Did you know that? used to be four-on-four. Now it's three-on-three. And here's one that I guarantee you don't know. When I say welcome in, we're coming to you from beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. Did you know that there's a first-place NBA team in this market? Did you know it's the Clippers? Right? Like, I bet you didn't know that. Not that it lasts. Not that it means they win a championship. But it's at least interesting. At least interesting. Man, do we have a lot to get to. A lot to get to. All right, let's start with Baker Mayfield. So, Baker Mayfield plays arguably his best game as an NFL player, and he does so against the Cincinnati Bengals. It should be pointed out that everybody seems to be playing their best game as a professional player against the Cincinnati Bengals. I called my first game on play-by-play on radio two weeks ago, or actually it was three games ago, three, two and a half weeks ago, whatever. It was the New Orleans Saints against the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Saints did not punt. Did not punt the entire game. They fired their defensive coordinator shortly after that game. Then they faced the Baltimore Ravens, who were coming off of a bye, and they started Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens got a win. And then Baker Mayfield came in and laid down a haymaker as they smashed the Cincinnati Bengals. Why is that? Because the Cincinnati Bengals suck. They're not good at football, especially on the defensive side, and they're not much better on offense without A.J. Green, without Andy Dalton, who, kind of like Joe Flacco, has been exposed to be everything we thought he would be as, you know, slightly better than what you'd normally get out of a second-round pick at quarterback, but not a star quarterback. And the Bengals are who we thought they were, and maybe even worse on the defensive side. So Baker throws 19 for 26, four touchdowns, no interceptions. It's a hell of a game. And they seem, they seem to be all on the same page offensively, which is why a coaching change was made. Remember, it wasn't just because they were bad and losing close games. It was because Hugh Jackson, their then head coach, and Todd Haley, their then offensive coordinator, couldn't seem to coexist. And so instead of picking sides the owner and the general manager came in and said, guess what? You're both fired. So after having a three touchdown, no interception performance and a win against the Atlanta Falcons two weeks before coming off of a bye and getting the Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, how about the Bengals getting two straight divisional opponents, both coming off a bye? Like, look, I don't think that they're very good in Cincinnati. Matter of fact, I think they're awful. But, man, that almost feels like unfair scheduling that wait, we have to go back-to-back weeks off teams coming off of a bye? Wow. Anyway, he follows up three touchdowns, no interceptions, with four touchdowns, no interceptions. And then there was that weird, and we've all been had this moment, right? Women do this thing and couples do this thing. When you Do I do, I do the side cheek kiss thing? That is just a, that is just all kinds of awkward. Who invented that? I want to know. Good inventions, back shoulder throws. That's a great invention. Right? The defense is playing on the goal, on, on the end zone side defensively, right? They're worried about the ball being thrown over the top. So Phil Sims told me that he was the first to do the back shoulder throw. Some people said it's Dan Marino. Obviously, guys have perfected it now in the National Football League. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, as good a back shoulder thrower as, always, as there is. 
Some people get credit for back shoulder throws because they're inaccurate and they don't have much of an arm. But regardless of which, back shoulder throw, great invention. Great invention. But the side cheek kiss, who started that? Either you're comfortable enough in your current relationship and the person you went on a couple's date with to kiss somebody else on the cheek, Euro style, right? Or go straight in there for the lips or shake hands or maybe hug it out. But there's nothing as uncomfortable as somebody coming up to you like they're going to kiss you, only they kind of kiss your cheek but don't actually kiss their cheek. And that somehow is a way of saying hello with somebody who's a friend or the wife of a friend. You guys know what I'm talking about? Is there a name for that thing? I don't know. The male equivalent of the side cheek kiss thing is the bro hug, is the is the the shug, if you will, right? Like I shake hands and I come on, come on in. That's not that's not bringing it in and hugging it out. Hugging it out is hugging it out. That is, I I shake hands, but you're a little bit better than shaking hands is so formal. Let's kind of let's get in there and give a little pat in the back, and then we're good. That's all Hugh Jackson went for. Hey man, congratulations, great job. That's all he went for. Baker wasn't having it. All right, it's awkward afterwards. He was asked about Hugh Jackson, who's now, um, he's not even an assistant coach. He's like an advisor to the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that he used to be their offensive coordinator with. And Baker had this to say. Left Cleveland goes down to Cincinnati. I don't know. That's just somebody that was in our locker room asking for us to play for him and then goes to a different team. We play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel. Yeah, that's how I feel. He went on to double down, and and whether it was Todd Haley or Hugh Jackson or both, he said that, you know, the difference in the offense is now we have guys calling plays who believe in us, which is a shot across the bow at Hugh because the thought in, since in Cleveland and the thought, obviously, with some of the players is what Hugh Jackson said when he said, hey, I never got to run the offense I want because I didn't get the players I want. That's a shot at the players. And so this is Baker's in this is Baker in defense mode protecting not only himself but also his teammates. Here's the problem with it. In an effort to defend his teammates and say what he honestly believes to be true and to be clear about his thoughts and not be politically correct, he actually made Hugh Jackson into a sympathetic figure. Because the truth is, if we really want to get into the truth, there's a lot about Hugh Jackson's tenure in Cleveland that even Baker is not privy to. Like the year before, when there were quarterbacks like Carson Wentz taken at the start of the draft. When there were quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky, who grew up in the state of Ohio, taken at the top of the draft. And the Browns did not select. There were quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes taken in the draft. And the Bengals, excuse me, the Browns did not select them. So while we all internalize comments made generally, that's just what we do. Hey, there, guy, we didn't have the guys we want. Baker thinks you're talking about me. You're talking about my guys. Maybe it's just that the year before he actually wanted to take Pat Mahomes and for a front office said, no, we're not doing that. We're going another direction here. Make it work with Deshaun Kaiser. Congratulations. You won Deshaun Kaiser. But look, this, this whole this whole and this this really goes down to the Trump thing comes back to the Trump thing. So many of you 
are so tired of political correctness that when somebody says something that you believe to be honest, no matter how spiteful, no matter how venomous, no matter how derogatory towards somebody else, you go, well, at least it wasn't politically correct. That's what you say. But there are some jobs, there are some moments where decorum is needed. Right? Decorum is needed. Somebody dies, you don't talk about their side piece the day that they die. Okay? Well, you know, he really wasn't that good a father. Right? <laughs> I mean, heck, George Steinbrenner dies, and nobody mentioned the fact that he was kicked out of baseball because of what he did to Dave Winfield. No, because he dies, and you're like, well, you know, he was a rich guy who tried to ruin Dave Winfield, and it did take him, you know, like, two decades of losing and throwing money at stuff before he lucked into Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. And then he, you know, they bought a bunch of pitchers and won a bunch of world series. And somehow now we revere him. Nobody said that when he died. Why? Because when somebody dies, there's moments where you have to take a breath and have decorum. That's really the issue with the president on Twitter. It's like, look, even if that's really how you feel, dude, you're the president. You represent all of us. That's not the language and style by which you should be representing us. Whether you agree or disagree with what he's saying, that is a moot point. And when a guy gets fired in the NFL, he got fired. And let me explain how it works, not just to Baker, because he doesn't seem to care. He's running roughshod over anybody who's showing sympathy towards Hugh Jackson. I don't think Hugh Jackson is a good head coach. I didn't think it would work initially. I didn't think it would work in Oakland, and I didn't think it worked because I talked to enough people in the NFL who were like, yeah, you know, good offensive guy, not really a head coach. And if you watched Hard Knocks, you're like, yeah, that probably makes sense. If you lose not one, but two different head coaching jobs in the NFL, everybody can fail once. People think Belichick failed once. Failing twice, you're not going to be a head coach again. So you got like, 30 teams now you can choose from because you're not going to go from being head coach to being an assistant coach with the same team. It's not going back to Oakland. So now you're down to 30, 30 jobs. And by the way, if you saw him on TV, when he tried to do the Hugh Jackson tour, it wasn't like you're like, hire that guy on TV. So he's supposed to not go back to Cincinnati where He's coaching with a friend who's also probably going to lose his job. Like Hugh Jackson's going to run the rare double of getting fired as a coach twice in one season. Although you never know at Cincinnati. They're so weird. They may give Marvin five more years after this disastrous season because AJ Green got hurt. We just don't do this. You don't do it in business. Guy gets fired. You take the high road. Well, I'm just so tired of, Coaches and coordinators and players being politically correct. Like, that's cool. That's cool. Would you really like Hugh Jackson to tell you everything that went into drafting Baker and all of the reason that they didn't let Baker take snaps with the ones to start the year? I'm sure if he wants to, he can find some negativity. They're not every day in dealing with another human being, especially one who appears to be as immature as Baker Mayfield is, he can find some negativity, but he didn't. In an effort to defend himself, he made himself look foolish, and and or maybe in an effort to to tell the truth about why Cleveland never got off the ground, he's like, look, I never got the guys that I wanted. And because he wasn't specific, and many of the interviews didn't ask him to be specific, 
guys who are still there are like, oh, that's messed up. But this happens all the time. And for a guy who's been the least successful coach in the history of the sport, he's going to take any job. And, oh, yeah, by the way, players get cut all the time. And usually the first people to call them are people in their division. Because you get a little information. And, oh, yeah, by the way, at some point, he must have done something that was of value for the other franchise to hire him to begin with. But to me, it just strikes me as, look, Baker Mayfield's one of these guys that has been told he couldn't for a long time. And it's an unbelievable story. Yes, I know he had scholarship offers that he turned down to walk on at Tech. And I know that he didn't have a scholarship waiting for him when he returned to Tech. Now, it should be pointed out that they had this kid named Pat Mahomes coming in who turned out to be pretty damn good. And maybe, just maybe, Cliff Kingsbury was like, look, dude, I'm going to put you on scholarship. I I, I have Davis Webb. I got Pat Mahomes. Like, I, I don't need another quarterback to compete. Sorry. Thanks. Appreciate it. And he, but it's not even, I understand that Baker Mayfield was told no time and again, and he has all of these chips on his shoulder. And he, and when he was drafted number one overall, there are people like me saying, Hey, I think Sam Darnold's actually a little bit better, even though Baker Mayfield's really good. But th- this is not time to put all those chips out on the table and go, you didn't believe in me. You won a game. You played great. Your former coach came in for that awkward shake, hug thing, and you kept it, not even his friends, gentlemanly, and shook him and shook his hand. All right. Hey, man, we thank him for his time here. Hope things work out for him well in Cincinnati. We're on to whoever they play next week. He showed himself like Kevin Durant to be totally insecure, to have rabbit ears. And instead of being above it, he was below it. In an effort to defend himself and his teammates, he actually made Hugh into a sympathetic figure. Even though the truth is, Hugh can't coach. Can't be head coach. Can't do it. Won't happen again. And Baker can play. But man, you showed... that's, That's just a bad look. You just don't do it. People get fired. You have to show sympathy and empathy. And he did not. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Trent Dilfer's a Super Bowl champion, a quarterback guru. Find him on Twitter at Dilfer's Dimes. Check out the Elite11.com, the nation's premier quarterback competition. I want to get around the league. I want to talk about Andrew Luck, uh, a game I got to call in person yesterday. Phillip Rivers um, tied an NFL record. And I want to talk about what happened in Jacksonville. First, uh, first of all, happy holidays to you, Trent. Thanks for joining us. Always fun to be with you, Dougie. Okay, so Baker Mayfield goes and lights up the Cincinnati Bengals. Shouldn't be a surprise. Everybody lights up the Cincinnati Bengals. They are terrible defensively. After the game, he says this. Left Cleveland goes down to Cincinnati. I don't know. That's just somebody that was in our locker room asking for us to play for him and then goes to a different team. We play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel. That's how I, that's how I feel. He, he went on to say, you know, we're playing better offensively because we have a coach who believes that we have guys playing calling plays that believes in us. But clearly, he's bothered by what Hugh Jackson said when he was on first take. He must watch first take because he tweeted at first take earlier today. 
What's your reaction to how Baker's handled the whole thing? It's who he is. I think that's what people need to understand. I mean, this is Baker's history. When he was 17 years old, he's on Elite 11 Regional in Dallas, and he's still pissed at me to this day that I didn't put him in the number one throwing line because he was a short little pudgy kid that was just okay at the time. And he he carries any amount of bitterness, that he can to create a chip on his shoulder. It's made him fantastic at what he does. And I think the bigger picture here is, do we take that out of guys' DNA and reduce them to something that is less than who they are? Or do we allow them to be who they are and trust at 26 and 28 and 30 and 32, you're a little more mature and you don't quite uh, carry quite the chip that you do at, say, 22 years old. Um, I have no problem with it because I, I understand who he is. Now, I don't think Drew Brees would have done that because he's older, he's more mature, uh, and he's not doesn't have the same DNA. But what if we would have taken the chip away from Tom Brady? Would we have Tom Brady? What if Aaron Rodgers didn't play with the same type of swag and arrogance or cockiness, whatever you want to call it? Uh, would we have Aaron Rodgers? What if Phil Rivers wasn't allowed to be demonstrative and um, act out the way he does? Would we have Philip Rivers? I just think it's very dangerous when you try to make every quarterback a robot. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to something we want them to be. I'm, I'm not trying to make it a robot, but in the reality of professional sports, when you lose a job, you'll you'll take any job, especially one with a former boss, right? Like that's the reality of it. And yeah. there, there's also the reality of Baker. I'm clearly bothered by the hey, I didn't have the guys that I wanted to run my offense. He personalizes that when he has no. He doesn't, I don't think he's conceptualized. The, the, he's probably talking about the year before when he wanted to take one of the quarterbacks and they decided to give him Deshaun Kaiser. And we see how that worked out, right? So um, I, I, I think that not understanding the reality of it and that maybe for a guy who has been told no, he doesn't maybe understand what it's like to be fired. Right? That's really – and, and to not have empathy and sympathy – well, I understand that that's what can energize you every day at work and make him into a great quarterback, it, it can also make it to where the league turn, uh, is turned off to you and you, you need to bring people in even if you're trying to defend your own teammates. Well, I think it may turn off the media. I think it may turn off some people that were not Baker fans to start with, but it's not going to turn off the people in the organization. It's not going to turn off the people in his locker room. It's not going to turn off the people that matter. And I think that's one of the gifts Baker's always had is he's not politically correct. And in this situation, he is irrational and he is wrong. I agree with you. Yep. But it's part of his makeup. It's part of his genius to a certain extent because it rallies those around him. He didn't care what other people thought when he planted the flag, but he knew what that would do internally. He has this incredible innate ability to bring people that matter to him, closer, that bring teams closer. I live in Austin, Texas now, where he went to high school. They tell the exact same stories about him when he was in high school. Nothing has changed, and that's part of his gift, is that he doesn't give a rip about what you think, about what I think when say, what Bill Polian says, or any other person all he cares about is the people that matter to his success, his team, his program, his organization. People in Oklahoma, will say, people at Texas Tech will say the same thing. Everywhere he goes, it's the same mantra. And some people don't like it. 
but it works for Baker Mayfield. Trent Dilfer joining us, Super Bowl champion quarterback. You can find him on Twitter at Dilfer's Dimes. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, it, it's hard to to what 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 I think so many people in my position do is they cherry pick a stat and say he's better now than he's ever been because almost all the quarterbacks are better now than they've been. Some of it's because of how the game is officiated, how the game is played, et cetera, et cetera. But I saw Phillip Rivers against an Arizona team that's decent defensively, and he goes 25 of 25. How is it possible at his age that he seems to be playing better football? Well, there's a couple things. He always has done the hard stuff really well. Phillip's number one crutch over his career is he's tried to put the Superman cape on too often. He's tried to single-handedly win the game, make decisions that were risky. Uh, and he was kind of, that was his DNA growing up. That's how he was coached in college. His first years in the NFL had very aggressive passing schemes that kind of trained that into him. Um, I think over, year, over the years, you learn discretion. You learn that your play caller has a vision for every play, and you're not necessarily having to win the game on that play. And what I see in Philip Rivers' game is he still makes the dynamic corner throw. He'll still throw a dig early. He'll still throw an outbreaking cut into tight man coverage low and away. He still does the high-impact stuff, but he picks his spots. He's way more judicious with it. He is far more discernment. He's willing to throw the ball short and let the runner go do it. He's playing based off the defensive looks. Another thing Philip would do forever was he bought into the Dan Marino philosophy there's no defense for a perfect throw. And that is true. There is no defense to defend a perfect throw. I remember Dan saying that at practice years ago when we practiced against someone as in Tampa. However, if it's not perfect, there are defenses that can make you pay for making certain types of throws. What Philip is doing now is he's picking the defense where an aggressive play works. And if it's not that defense, He's getting his eyes down quick. I've never seen his eyes drop faster. He used to be a guy that read everything deep to short. Now he's a guy that he's reading it deep as he's dropping. But many times by the time his back foot is in the ground, his eyes have already dropped down, found a safer outlet, and let that guy go do the work. Um, Okay, Trent Dilfer joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, You are a quarterback guru. You are a football savant. I'm somebody who simply loves the game and watches the game a ton. Okay. So, But what I saw in that Pittsburgh play, the RPO, which yep. um, w- which they ran, uh, can I can I tell you the, the biggest flaw in the RPO? And, and again, this is just Wait. basketball guy, but I do know, I, I know a little bit, a way less than you do about football. The running back was on the wrong side. See, when, when he has, oh. he, because the running back's on the right side and the wide receiver running the slant is on the left side, he, his eyes have to look at the running back and the defense and the, the, the defensive end on the right side, and he can't see the wide receiver or the defensive lineman dropping back into coverage. I don't know whether his decision would have been, would have been made differently, but I do think that th- there was a flaw in that play from the outset, and having the running back on his right instead of his left side was a fundamental flaw. Fair? A hundred percent. I had, did not catch that when I watched it. So you just educated me, but you are a hundred percent right. The other thing I have a problem with, and this goes back to the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl against New England Patriots. 
I and I, I consult with offensive coaches all over the country, from high school to college, whatever, and we talk about tight red zone passing. It's one of the biggest points of conversation because it's so hard to throw the ball into the end zone in the tight red zone. And I've always been a believer, why would you throw it in the middle of the field on a first and second and third down? Right. If you know you're going to go for it on fourth. If you're not going to go for it on fourth, then don't throw it in the middle of the field on first and second down. There's so much danger lurking in the tight red middle of the field that on paper and in practice, when you're not going full speed, those plays look really good. But how often do we see, unless it's thrown at the very back of the end zone, high, like high, high. I see so much bad stuff happen in the middle of the end zone in the tight red zone passing game. Why don't coaches call plays that go out breaking routes on first and second down, in this case when you're going to go for it on fourth down, on third down, and save the higher risk stuff for fourth down, the must-have play? I'll never understand it. People don't even think about it when I bring it up. But too often I've seen catastrophic errors made on plays that probably look pretty good during the week of practice and on paper that there's just too much clutter in there. Yeah. Trent for joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, what do you make of Andrew Luck's success? Obviously, they fixed the offense line. Suddenly, uh, Eric Ebron goes from a total bust in, in Detroit to a weapon with him. Uh, who's most responsible for Andrew Luck's bounce back? Well, I mean, I think the answer is always a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's obviously a lot of Andrew. Uh, it's his doctors and his rehab people that got him back to this after a very severe injury. I think Frank Reich, we talked about this last week, is one of the best minds in all of football. Um, I think he's obviously had a lot to do with it. Um, the GM for rebuilding from the inside out. Uh, I, I think most re- rebuilding jobs that are successful start at the Parcillian way, inside out, and he's done it that way. So there's a lot of credit to spread around. I'll say this about Andrew, though. Let's not forget, and I'm stealing this from Steve Young. I learned a lot working with Steve all those years at ESPN. And he always would help me better understand great quarterback play because I did not play great quarterback, so I have to learn greatness when I'm studying quarterbacks. And I've learned it over all these years of studying position. It's how much water do they carry for their team? How much are they responsible for without having a lot of other good stuff going on? And Andrew Luck, when he first came in, was carrying as much water as any player in this league. When people talk about Aaron Rodgers being one of the unique talents we've ever seen, I would, me and Steve would always say, well, what about Andrew Luck? Because he's actually doing just as much with probably less. Um, so I think Andrew was already great. Then he got stuck in this position where they deteriorated the team rapidly, and he was getting killed. But his mindset was, hey, i got to carry all the water, so I'm going to keep trying to carry the water and it made him a turnover-prone, injury-prone quarterback. Well, now he's got a, a, a quarterback guru, a coach guru, to come and say, hey, Andrew, there's going to be times where we need, to carry, we need you to carry the water, but it's not all the time. We're going to help you. We're going to support you. You don't have to be Superman 42 times a game. Just be Superman 10 times a game, and especially on third down, red zone, end of half, end of game. And what did he do yesterday? He won the dang game being Superman on that third long play where he ducks under the rush, jumps up in the pocket, gets his eyes left, and delivers a strike. handful of guys can make that play. So he's having to carry less water for the entire game so that when he has to carry a lot of water, it equals wins. And it's absolutely brilliant. He needs to be in the conversation. I believe Colin is right this morning. It is Drew Brees' MVP to lose. 
Andrew Luck is second. I would throw Philip Rivers in there, but he also needs to be put on this list of the greatest quarterbacks in the game right now. He is truly one of those handful of elite. All right, I got I got two other quick questions for you. Trent Dilfer joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, Lamar Jackson wins his second consecutive game, but it was against the Bengals and the Raiders, two of the worst teams in the NFL, and he does it mostly with his legs. He did have a couple of turnovers yesterday. Uh, long-term, does it work? Short-term, it works. We've seen it before, but long-term, does it work with Lamar Jackson? Well, it, you have to go back and look at the 49ers. They're really the model of Colin Kaepernick. And we, when we talked about the time, people got mad because they said, no, this will work forever. Here's the problem with when you are a run-driven quarterback. The benefit to it, while it's working now and why Colin had a nice little stint, is you create defined looks by the secondary. They're so concerned with defending the quarterback run, they recruit somebody from the secondary, put them around the line of scrimmage. And you get these defined, what I call training camp looks, like first day of training camp, the defense lines up like this. So very little disguise, very little complexity, very, a lot of simplicity. The other thing you don't get is man, because teams are afraid of turning their back to the quarterback, it being a, uh, a zone read or a quarterback scramble and the guy going 60 instead of six. Okay, so those are two things you eliminate early on when you surprise teams with this type of quarterback play. What you get from that, is you get easy completions. If you look at Lamar's completions first week and last week, they're to wide open receivers that are running through remedial zones, and they're kind of gimmies. When he's forced to make a tight throw, he has had very few completions because he's not used to making tight throws, tight man-to-man, tight zone windows, yada, yada, yada. What happened to Colin Kaepernick was as the book grew on him, and the amount of throws that he was able to complete at a high amount, uh, the throws he was able to make uh, often, they started defending those throws and forcing him to throw the ball elsewhere while still playing some basic coverages and then tightening up the coverage. And his efficiency and his impact declined. And that's a lot what you'll see with Lamar Jackson unless he grows his throw catalog. And every quarterback has to grow their throw, throw catalog, but he has to grow his rapidly. Because the league saw this a few years ago, it will not take the league long to say, oh, we're going to defend him exactly like we defended Colin. Because the book was written on this style of quarterback. When the offense is run through the quarterback's legs, it has a short tail to have this type of impact. Great stuff from Trent Dilfer. Uh, who you can follow on Twitter at Dilfer's Dimes or check out the Elite11.com, the nation's premier quarterback competition. TD, awesome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, brother. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. But if you watched Ohio State this year, they survived Penn State at Penn State. They didn't survive, and they gave up 49 points to Purdue. They survived Nebraska where you have a coaching staff that I think lost their first seven games at Nebraska. They did beat Michigan State 26-6, but that, that score was not indicative of how close that game was. And then they needed a miracle and, I thought, an ill-fated play calling going for two or just the decision to go for two for Maryland in overtime to win that game the week before. Then they come out and hammer Michigan 62-39. Now, in the context of what actually happened in the game, Michigan made mental errors. 
you know, from some of Shane Patterson's decisions to some drops to, you know, re, uh, trying to return a kickoff and running out of bounds at your own seven-yard line. They had some injuries as well in-game, which depleted them. But all in all, it was a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. But Ohio State was supposed to be this good. And when you're supposed to be this good and you only play up to your potential or your your ability, I mean, heck, they trailed TCU in the third quarter, and TCU is a below-average Big 12 team. When only now you play up to your ability, my guess, if you want to say, hey, you want to play the best, you do so in the biggest games, but isn't an indictment of how this team took so many games off, especially defensively, and showed very little effort and cohesion? That's who they were supposed to be. That's who they're supposed to be. And if they go out and they kick the hell out of Northwestern, as is expected on Fox this Saturday... They probably should go to national national playoff. Why? Because they're one of the four best teams. Right? Find me the better option. Now, if you want to tell me, hey, Oklahoma, their defense is bad, but, you know, is their defense as bad as Ohio State's defense was, giving up 51 to Maryland and 49 to Purdue in a loss? Probably not. And they don't have a Kyler Murray, but they got more dudes. They got more dudes. And they each played a schedule, which, you know, for Ohio State, everybody said, well, their schedule didn't play anybody. They tried to play TCU in Texas. They played them in Texas. That's supposed to be a tough game. TCU's just had a, a rough season. And they played Oregon State, who is bad, but at least it's a Pac-12 opponent. They played Tulane. Go look at go look at Oklahoma's schedule. Oklahoma played UCLA. That game was scheduled a long time ago, and UCLA is in the first year of a new coaching staff. Heck, I actually think Georgia is one of the four best teams. They, like Ohio State, had a stinker. I would rather see Georgia play in the college football playoff, but if Georgia loses to Alabama, Ohio State wins, Oklahoma wins, Georgia will be on the outside looking in. But when, when I see Ohio State play that well in that situation against that well-coached team, you start to realize how, 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 how they underperformed for the rest of their season. That win is actually an indictment on Ohio State, not on Michigan. Not on Michigan. And you're like, well, you know, Jim Harbaugh was built to, was brought in to win Big Ten championships. He will. It is a process. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. One of the things I don't like about this job is how often guys, how often people shut down interviews because they lost a sporting event, right? Like, Good luck getting anybody from Michigan on the radio up until like right before their bowl game, maybe probably more likely right after their bowl game. That That's it because they lost. Like it doesn't make you any less interesting to us. And it's not our fault that you lost. People still want to hear from you just because you lost the game. Right. You don't have to go back into the cave 
and start pounding out film and make yourself unavailable. No. But it's one of the things that drives me crazy is like, oh, we, well, they lost, so you can't get coaches for it. That's not the case of Mike Gundy's longtime coach at Oklahoma State. Of course, uh, as soon as they beat West Virginia, we got on the phone. We're like, man, we want Coach Gundy right now, right now. And then they lose to TCU, but like the man he is, he picks up the phone anytime we ask. After a, after a, a hard loss to TCU, Mike Gundy joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coach, how are you? Well, I'm good. I don't even know if I would describe it as a hard loss. I would describe it as I still hadn't been able to figure out what happened in about four of our losses this year. They they asked me last week about going on the show with you, and I said, well, I'll go on. They said, well, they, they need you to go next week. I said, well, that'll be fine. Uh, but you know what's interesting? The good thing about doing an interview with a former player is, is sometimes when uh, people ask, like my 14-year-old, asked well and my 17 year old a few weeks ago they said how can you play such a good game and beat texas who's ninth in the country and then play a terrible game and lose to baylor who has a losing record and i said i don't know i wish i had that answer because if i did i wouldn't let it happen um and then you go through what we went through to play as well as we did against oklahoma come up short which was a tough one and then uh beat West Virginia, who at that time was probably playing better all-around football than Oklahoma, um, and then not play well again against TCU. Didn't play well on offense, couldn't get a first down in the first half, and so on and so forth. So here we are. Uh, good news is we're bowl eligible. We get to have 14 more practices and work, work the young players, but um, still kind of searching for why things happened the way they did this year, but we're rolling. You know how it is, Doug. You get up and as you say, you get back in the film room, go to work, get the kids motivated, and have some fun coaching football. Mike Gundy, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, is it is it fair to say quarterback play, right? Like Taylor, obviously, Taylor Cornelius, your quarterback, obviously struggled against TCU. Here's a guy who's That's been right. a he's been a backup, and there are moments in which you feel just great for him, like the West Virginia game. Heck, even the Oklahoma game, uh, where he bounced back up until that last incompletion going for two. Uh, he played some some great football, but his inconsistency, for a myriad of reasons, kind of mirrored mirrored the inconsistency in your team. You're, you're exactly right, and it's it. And unfortunately, you kind of go uh, come and go with your quarterback at all levels. We've talked about this, and especially on a year where um, we we didn't have as much maturity at our skill positions. Um, so much more fell on his shoulders, and he, he didn't he didn't play well in the first half. He uh, he didn't set his feet. His his throws were inconsistent, um, and and unfortunately, we didn't get good running back play in that game. We didn't have justice with us, and then of course uh, JD went on the portal to transfer, and so we had uh, Chuba, who's been playing fantastic, and he for some reason he was just kind of average. Um, but it does go with your quarterbacks, you know. It just um, unfortunately, in that situation, um, if they play really well, you're going to probably win. And if they play average, you got a shot. And if they don't play average, then it's extremely difficult to win right now. You, you, um, every year it seems like you have a rant that people pick up on, and the people that like you and agree with you, they say "out of boy," and the people that don't, they say, "See, here's the old, here's a, a football coach, you know, taking the the football coach's perspective." You, you, you hone in on millennials and transferring as a big issue. 
Um, uh-huh. but, but you also didn't want to single, single out a couple of kids that had decided to transfer in season from your own program. Um, I, I guess the, the question becomes like, I, I watch it, I cover it. And I realize that, yeah, like, look, here's the deal. Nobody wants to sit anymore. They just don't. They want it. They all want to play. And part of me understands it because heck, that's why I went to Notre Dame and that's why I went to Oklahoma state. And heck, I almost left Oklahoma State when when Coach Sutton benched me my junior year, but I fought through it and I and I started, uh, and and I end up having a, a great career and a great experience there. Um, do you think this is a is it a generational change? Is it the media and how we cover it? Like how how do you why do you think this appears to be such a change in terms of the vast number of transfers we've seen, especially in season transfers? Well, the 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 first part uh, that I would answer is the we've allowed a, we've we've given them a vehicle to make it easier to transfer. Um, we've put in a portal system, and and I'm not debating that. I I don't have any issues with uh, with young men transferring, and I don't know that I have the answer. Okay, J D King is an awesome young man. I mean he he's been great for us. He's worked his tail off. He's been loyal. Um, he you know he feels like there's an opportunity somewhere else that's better for him. Um, now, where he and I didn't agree, and, and of course he knows this, I told him this. I wouldn't do it during the season. Right. Um, I would wait till after the season. Completely agree. Um, but for whatever reason, um, somebody advised him, or he chose to do it during the season. That's his choice. Um, I don't agree with the um, the upperclassmen being able to play four games and then sitting the remainder of the year um, and then transferring to another school. We had that with McCleskey, another great young man, great family. Uh, ninth all-time here in catches. So um, I'm appreciative of what he did for us. I don't agree with doing it during the season because, as you know, we put a lot of work into these guys in the spring and in August, and then if they leave during the season, we can't just go get a player off waivers and replace them. And that is difficult for Oklahoma State. So I don't agree with that process. But overall, if if a young man says, I want to start, I want to be at this location – he should have the right to do it because as coaches, we can do the same thing. Um, the one thing that is, is incorrect is people say, well, coaches, you know, they can just up and leave when they want. Well, that's not, that's not true. I right. mean, most of us have multi-million dollar buyouts. Now, money's not the, 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 the main objective here, but that, that's a statement that's not true. Where I was going the other day with the, with the, the, uh, the millennials, Generation Z, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, with the, you know, the, the kids that grow up with phones in their hand. I worry about, and I have two at home. So when I say this, I'm including my two that are at home. I have one in college, so I say three of them. I don't know if they understand the uh, the entitlement that young young people have today that that they didn't have years ago, and the fact that you need to earn something, you have to work hard. Things just don't come for free, and I worry about that because when you get in the real world, as we know, mm-hmm. if people start not liking the Doug Gottlieb show, they're not going to keep you around because you were a good college basketball player. I mean, you got to be productive. Well, these these young kids need to understand that it takes a lot of hard work, it takes a lot of commitment. You got to fail, you got to get back on your feet, and you got to eventually find a way to overcome it and be tough. I don't see that with a lot of young people. I'm including my own three sons. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've got they're, they're the same way. That's what I worry about more than anything. And so how are we providing them with just a very easy way to say, let's go do something else? And, and you know this from bouncing around with different companies in the professional world and also playing for different uh, teams in college. It's not always greener on the other side of the fence. It's pretty much the same way. 
So I'm for the young people, including my own sons, bearing down, figuring it out, toughing it out, and finding a way to to be, become productive. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a balance between the two, right? It's it's like you said, yeah. like like no, no one's against transferring, but hey, man. Wait till the season's over, because if you don't like your role, that may change. You're all just everybody's just one play away from getting back in there, right? I mean, no, we, that's right. You, the, you know, I mean, like, like, like it's it's uh, like Cuba was third team three games ago. Well, he's now he started the last two games. Yeah, I mean, that, so that, that's, that's and and so and so the idea is like, look, you you decided to stay here for this year, stay here for the year. When the season's done, if you decide you want to transfer, walk into my office, let's have a conversation. You know, look me in the eye. We'll shake hands, and we may still disagree, but that's that's how you do it. And look, yeah. I I got the same thing, and I have a nine year old son, and and you know we run into whether it's baseball or he plays he's playing like five sports. He's like, well, you know, I don't love I don't love you have love basketball. It's like, well, that's because you're not having that much success for sex success, and you don't like kind of putting in the work every day. He's like, well, it's hard. Like, yeah, anything you do, anything you do is hard. It might be easy now, but but it's going to get hard. But when you get past the part that it's hard and you start seeing success after it's been hard. Now it actually gets more fun than it was if you just woke up in the morning and you were good at it, right? No question. And like with your nine-year-old, see, I went through this with my middle son, the one that's playing quarterback over at the high school now. He played on a really, really, really good travel baseball team. And in, in almost every one of those kids is going to be a, a Division One player or uh, drafted in the top uh, six to eight, ten rounds in in uh, here coming up in the draft next year because they're all going to be seniors. Well, he was he was the batting nine hole on a on a roster of ten and played center field. And so uh, people would say, "Hey, he can come play on our team. He could bat two hole or whatever." And blah blah blah. And he, why do you leave him on this team? Well, because he has to struggle to be on this team. Right. This team, those kids are big time. So it forced him to be better, and he batted nine hole. So what? He bats nine hole. I mean, that's the way life is. And now, you know, he's playing high school ball and doing good. But the point being this, that was one of the good decisions I made as a parent, saying this team is going to make you better. I don't care if you bat nine hole. It doesn't make a difference. You live with it and it makes you a better kid. Well, that's what we're trying to get accomplished to the guys here that we're, we're trying to train to get out there in the real world at this time that are on our team. Mike Gundy joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. I want to get your thoughts on a couple other things in college football, but you, you brought up your son, Gunner. So, I mean, he's going to play for you, right? Well, he, he's, uh, I don't know what he'll do, uh, uh, Doug. He, he, uh, we've never talked about it. And what I've said is this, if he ends up um, being good enough to play at a high level, he can decide whether he wants to go play at whatever school or he just says, hey, you know what, I want to play for my dad and I want to play at Oklahoma State. Then that's his choice. Uh, you know, if he does that, I'll just let him walk on here and pay for his school and that way I don't have to burn a scholarship on him. Um, and, and I would love to have him here. I mean, I know him inside out. He, he can, he competes. He understands that he's tough. He's savvy. He's smart. Um, but that'll be a choice he makes. He's just a junior. So, you know, he still has a little bit of time, um, to decide what to do, but they're having an unbelievable year. Stillwater's 12 and 0 and, and in the state championship. And, you know, you've been here. I mean, I, they haven't been in this position since the seventies, early seventies. So it's an awesome deal. And, and I'm a proud dad. I mean, I'm proud of him for, for competing and, and leading his team and being a tough guy and being unselfish and all those different things. Those things make me very happy. Yeah, but your, your brother, your brother, for people who don't know, Kale's still at, at Oklahoma. Your brother's not going to come in like Christmas and make some pitch. Like, listen, <laughs> yeah. listen, well, he's, he's going to make you walk on. We'll actually put you on scholarship at OU. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, there he, he's crooked anyway down there, so I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he came in and took a shot at him. Uh, um, okay. uh, the, the 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 naysayers on Oklahoma. Okay, we saw Ohio State just bludgeon Michigan, a, a Michigan team that had been completely and thoroughly dominant after losing uh, to Notre Dame first game of the season. Right. Um, you, you got you got if you know if Alabama loses, the feeling is Alabama still goes. You've seen Oklahoma. You've 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 gone against, but you probably should have beaten Oklahoma or at least you know right. gone, gone to overtime against Oklahoma. Do you believe that Oklahoma, with the issues and struggles they've had on defense, should be in that college football playoff yeah. if they win this weekend? Yeah, yeah, they 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 will and they'll get in. And here's why: because they have you know the evidence they bring to the table is last year that we had the same conversations and. They they uh, they hung three hundred and twenty or forty yards and thirty one points give or take I don't know exact against a good Georgia defense in the first half of the playoff game last year. So what, what what's the difference? They they uh, the, I don't their defense the defense is I mean my, I, I know there's more possessions and we we deal with with points but man it, I mean it's possess, they're scoring like you know like a hot knife through butter West Virginia which no, is you're right you, 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 no what you're saying is right but. They offensively, I think their numbers are even up, right? Yeah. So here's what happens, in my opinion. I don't know what goes on behind the closed doors with Rob Mullins and that gang. You know, I think Rob and them do a great job. They have an extremely difficult job. Um, you know, the issue we're having is, is you have a, you have a team like Central Florida that can't even get in the race um, because of the way it's set up right now, which I don't think is right. But that's a different subject. But what what you're getting here is people want to see whether Oklahoma can score on the top three teams in the country. Behind closed doors, they're going to say, can, can they score 45 points against a, um, a, two, three, a two seed or a three or one or whoever they're going to play? Behind closed doors, I believe they, they're saying they want to see if they can score 40 points against these teams and make it an exciting game, in my opinion, uh, based on the way it's gone. That's my opinion, and I think they'll get in the playoffs. Uh, l- last thing, uh, last year you told us, "Hey, Pat Mahomes is the best we've mm-hmm. we've seen. Like he's a guy who you you believe will it'll translate to the to the next level." Have you seen anybody this year? Is Will Greer? You know, I know they're pitching Will Greer as of of pro kind of pro caliber. Have you seen a guy this year that you believe translates to the next level? Not not like him. I, you know, I told you I, I watched him for years, and then I just he's just a, a completely different player, uh, raw, raw, raw ability. But he has the temperament, Doug. Things don't bother him. Everything rolls off his back. And, You're and talking about Mahomes. Level. You're talking about Mahomes, right? Yeah, I'm talking about Mahomes. I mean, i just not ever seen a guy that, that had the raw skill that he did. And then this year, uh, Greer has been really, really good. But, but in my opinion, not the skill that Mahomes has. Mahomes has freakish skill. And then you have uh, Kyler Murray that that is like Tyreek Hill with the ball in his hands. And I don't I don't know that I would ever I thought I would ever say that, but when I watched him live, I couldn't believe how fast he was and how he could be running um, directly at a defender, Doug, and and only have about five yards to the out of bounds and not been able to cut back. And then that guy can't even touch him, not tackling, he can't even touch him, and. He's just freakish, talented. Uh, Kyler is in that in that um, capacity. So, but not the total package, in my opinion. And I don't evaluate for the NFL. Right. I just give my opinion. It gets me in trouble. But 
Mahomes is just a whole different level of guy. I mean, he just is freakish, and and so far he's he's upholding that end of the deal to make me look like I do what I was talking about. All right, uh, I, this is a hard question, and I didn't plan on ask you, but you mentioned Tyreek Hill. Um, h- how do you when 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 you see him have this kind of success, knowing how it ended, right? If it if you yeah. didn't have to if you didn't have to get rid of him, he would have right. he would have been. Outside of Barry Sanders, because of the, the punt return against Oklahoma, he would have had the most revered play in the history of the school. How do you emotionally handle that Tyreek Hill was, in fact, one of your own before you had to, you had to get rid of him? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled with the success he's having. Tyreek Hill it was not an issue for us at all, in no way, shape, or form or manner. I think he got in a situation, I'm just guessing here, um, from from all the facts, based on what I found out, that he got in a situation and got in a heated argument with a girl, and he made mistakes. You can't. You, you here's what we tell our guys here, Doug. If a girl gets mad at you and hits you, scratches you, kicks you, throws her phone at you, embarrasses you, what you do is turn around and run away, and run as fast as you can. Don't touch her. Leave her alone. Don't push her back. I don't care if she does it in front of your boys. Okay. Then you turn around and leave. He didn't do that, and unfortunately, what that's what we tell our players. If you do anything other than that, then you can't play here. This is just the way it is. But he 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 learned his lesson. He's doing terrific. Forget being a player. He's doing great on and off the field, and we're thrilled for for the way that um, that he's recovered because he put himself in a position to recover. You know what he did, Doug? He kept his mouth shut and did his job. Yeah, and and by the way, they're engaged now. I don't know if people, I know, people know. I know. I know they yeah. they live together. I, I'm I, I'm fairly certain they live together. Is what I've been told, and they're engaged. And so that's just an example of why we try to tell young people, you know, just think if people would have been able to track the stuff that you and I did in college. Yep. No. I mean, they they, and, they and, have and, tracked some of the stuff I've done in college, and they still use it against me twenty twenty yeah. years twenty and, years and later. People, yeah, and and so p- people people just make mistakes. But he made one that you can't make in society today, and we don't believe that. So I'm thrilled that he's doing good, and they're engaged. As I've heard that, and that's yeah. awesome for him. And he's going to be playing a long time. He's a special dude now. There's no, not many like hey, him. In the league. Hey, I had I had a guy. Uh, I'm not going to name his name. He's uh, he's in a, one, he's top one of the front offices in the NFL, and he's like, right. He saw your first game against Florida State, right? His first game was against Florida State. That's right. And he said. He said that moment. I said that's the fastest player I've I've ever scouted, mm-hmm. and he's he believes he's the fastest player to ever play in the NFL. Uh, there's some dispute, you know. So other, they're, they're obviously uh, Bullet Bob Beeman. Some others have, you know, Daryl. Competitive, Gr- yes. competitive speed. Competitive what? speed. You can't catch him on a game. You can't catch him in a game. It's and that's that's the difference. You know, when he played that game for us against Florida State, if we would have known as much as we knew about him, <laughs> we probably could have beat. We almost beat Florida State anyway. We probably could have beat him, but we didn't know he was that good. We, we knew he was fast, but we didn't know he was that good. We, we would have given the ball to him 15 more times different ways and probably might have won that game. Yeah, But, yeah. but uh, regardless, anyway. Hey, listen, uh, love that you always come on. Obviously disappointed in the end, but there's some really high highs, uh, some, some, no some, some, some lows, and look forward to seeing where you go in the, in the bowl season. Yeah, we're, we're the same way. I'm, I, I got, uh, I'm disappointed because we, we, we didn't do a good enough job coaching and, and identifying who we were. Uh, earlier in the year um, probably would have translated to at least a couple more wins. 
uh, and that was my fault. And uh, that that part, I'm disappointed. But the good news is we get to practice more and, and get some guys ready and and, uh, and make it better for next year. But appreciate the show, man. I listen to you in the evenings whenever I'm leaving, uh, going to eat before I go back to work to watch tape at night. So appreciate you, man. All right, man. Thanks, thanks so much. Right, good luck to your son, the state championship. That's uh, Mike Gundy, the head coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.